This is Just the Right Book, and I'm Roxanne Cody of R.J. Julia Booksellers. Each week, I hope to bring to you the stories behind the books, talking with some of the very best contemporary nonfiction authors, books that are timeless and charming, provocative and of the moment. The conversations you want to hear about the books you need to read. This is our annual, I guess that makes sense, special edition of Just the Right Book because we believe, hopefully you believe, that the best gift that you can give over the holidays is a book. So what we've done is assembled a list of books that we think should cover everybody on your list and make everybody happy. You can get them a big gift also, but you should also make sure to get them a book. So I'm joined today by Lori Fazio, who is the president of RJ Julia Booksellers, and also joined by Andrew Brennan, who is the head buyer for RJ Julia in Madison, Wesleyan RJ Julia, and Bookhampton. So we've got a lot of brain power here to help you pick out books. So we'll just get going. Lori, we'll start with you. Okay. Ray Meadows, a few years ago, I read a book by her called I Will Send Rain. And her new book is called Winterland. And if, I mean, it's a great time of year to read it because you're chilly and it brings you to Siberia, really. And it's about this little girl, Anya, who is eight years old and has chosen to be on the Olympic gymnastics team. Well, she's chosen to be on the gymnastics team with a chance to be on the Olympic team, I should say. Ray did a ton of research on this. She was intrigued by the gymnasts in Russia, this this one particular group. So a lot of the gymnasts in this book are actually real people, but Anya is not. And you learn all about what goes on behind the Iron Curtain. You learn about the grueling day-to-day things that they have to go through, what you have to give up to be a part of this, how they kind of get you to think that you're doing this for your country. And Anya's got her, her father and her neighbor telling her, don't lose your sense of yourself. Even though she's eight years old, she had to figure this out. Wow. So she's very wise beyond her years. I, I had to keep reminding myself that she was this little girl. Was it realistic, though? Very realistic. Uh-huh. I mean, and, and it's it's loosely based on, you know, the, the gymnastics team. And so it's really, really fantastic. It doesn't—you don't have to be a gymnast fan to, to like it. I could not put it down. It's a great fictional story with a lot of historical fiction in it. Grab your cup of hot cocoa because you're, you're going to feel cold. You're in Siberia. Really. <laughs> literally. Literally. And the cover of it, I know, you know, we can't see that on the podcast. The cover is just stunning. Her writing is fantastic. It's it's one of my absolute favorite books of the year. All right. Good start. Mr. Brennan. All right. I'm going to start off with uh, nonfiction. I'm going to start off with What If 2, which is the sequel to What If. But it's really, it's it, it, it's more great stuff from Randall Monroe. He is a former NASA roboticist. And in 2006, he decided to stop sending robots into space and draw cartoons on the internet for the rest of his life. So, you know, he he like takes- Like dream job, right? <laughs> of course, of course. He takes questions from people and he writes these science books that are kind of about these crazy questions and he answers them as best as he can with the use of these great illustrations. And you really have to see him to, to believe it. But the, the, the kind of questions that he's answering- What if you decided to walk from Austin, Texas to New York City, but every step you take takes you back 30 days? 
You know, so he looks at what what New York City would look like by the time you got there, what things would look like along the way, what maybe route you might take. Another question is, could a person eat a whole cloud, right? <laughs> um, my own son asked me one of these questions, a, a question that I was that I remember pouring over when I was eight years old is if you could build the ultimate swing set, right? You know, how long could the chains be that could still be powered by human legs? Right. Mm. How big a swing set could you how make? High would how the... long the ch could the chains be that a human could actually make it swing? You know, so these are the types of questions that are pressing in my mind, I know, and I know are pressing in yours, and Randall is going to take care of all of them. And it, it's really fun. You know, you could get this book for anyone aged 9 to 109. Yeah, I was just going to say that they could be as as young as yes. 9. Yes, Or it's a family gift or... There's science for anybody to get out or of Or perfect coffee table. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, great. What's the answer to the to the swing set question, Andrew? You're going to have to look in the book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're not going to give it away. <laughs> and right. it's not just that. It's, I, was, it's, I wanted to cheat a little bit. It's, you know, I mean, uh, you know, we're, you're wondering about, you know, can you go all the way around? Yeah, yeah. How fast would you need to be to be going all the way around? How much do, would you need to weigh? All that. All of it answered. Good stuff. To me, there's nothing more fun than learning. And with Masterclass, you can learn from the world's best mind anytime, anywhere, and at your own pace. You can learn how to cook the perfect egg from Gordon Ramsay, improve your writing skills from Amy Tan and Billy Collins, or learn tactical empathy from former FBI lead hostage negotiator, Chris Voss, with over 150 classes from a range of world-class instructors, that thing you always wanted to do is closer than you think. I highly recommend you check out Masterclass. Get unlimited access to every class. And as a Just the Right Book listener, you get 15% off your annual membership. Go to masterclass.com slash write book now. That's masterclass.com slash write book. Happy learning. It seems to me that every week there's another gift I need to send for a wedding, a new home, a bridal shower, or just like to be nice. And the place I go to is Uncommon Goods. If you want to avoid boring, basic, and bland gifts this year, this is super. One of my favorite things is a tray where you could put the address and they show you like a little longitude latitude map for it. And when you shop at Uncommon Goods, you're supporting artists and small independent businesses. And, you know, I think that's what we all need to be doing. So shop now before they sell out this holiday season. Uncommon Goods has high quality, unique and often handmade in the U.S. products. They're just out of the ordinary and you feel like you're really picking out a great gift. So from art to jewelry to kitchen to home and bar, Uncommon Goods has something for everyone. And with every purchase you make at Uncommon Goods, they give back $1 to a nonprofit partner of your choice. They've donated more than $2.5 million to date. So here's what you can do. To get 15% off your next gift, go to uncommongoods.com slash write book. That's uncommongoods.com slash write book 
and you'll get 15% off, plus a great gift to send. Don't miss out on this limited time offer, Uncommon Goods. We're all out of the ordinary. All right, so I'm going to do a couple of books on each round because I know I have too many books. So why don't I start with some great fiction? I'm going to start with Signal Fires by Danny Shapiro. Danny Shapiro has written a number of memoirs. This is her first fiction book in a long time. It's one of these stories where you are attached to the characters from page one. You want to know what happens to all of them. It opens with a sad event that then permeates through everybody connected to its lives. Here's the thing to know about Signal Fires. Every reader I have given this to, whether they're a 75-year-old woman or a 30-year-old woman or a 32-year-old man or a 50-year-old man, everybody loves this book. It's just the most classic kind of regular fiction. The other fiction book I want to mention is Our Missing Hearts by Celeste Ng. And Celeste Ng is a gifted writer who's been around for, you know, the last, Andrew, what would you say, like five or seven years she wrote? Yeah, maybe a little bit longer. Maybe, longer maybe a little yeah. bit longer. Our Missing Hearts is a tricky story to explain but it's set in the slight future, I would say, where like almost all books have been banned and any kind of insurgency, even modest, is punished in, in the United States. And then underneath is a relationship between a mother who is one of these activists and her son. And it is, Celeste is just a really gifted writer. And I think it's important for us to step into a future that's just pretty damn close to what we're living to understand what an incremental change could look at. And then the other fiction book I'll mention is Trust by Hernan Diaz. And Trust, I love this idea that we have our own story of what we think is going on, but it isn't necessarily somebody else's view. You might even be an unreliable narrator. And the main character of this book is a J.P. Morgan-ish type titan from the turn of the century. And he has his version of his story. Then there's a journalist version of his story. And then there's a journalist not in the wrath of the character's story. And then there is the most wonderful part of the story, the wife, <laughs> who obviously has, I think, the most realistic view of what's going on. But Trust is another book that almost anybody I know who's read it of a different type of reader has also been fond of. So that was uh, Our Missing Hearts, Signal Fires, and Trust. Okay, yeah. Laura. All right, so I'm going to do nonfiction, and um, this is what it sounds like is the name of the book. And Susan Rogers was a an audio tech, um, started out in L.A. She I don't know which came first because she also has a, a Ph.D. in psychology. She started as the audio tech, and then she went on to work for Prince on the, um, the album Purple Rain. She was the head engineer for it. 
Yeah, the, the musical engineer. So she wrote this book, and this book, you don't have to be a musician to be musical is what the basic premise of this book is. And one of the questions that they asked, which I found really fascinating is, do you listen to your music above the neck or below the neck? And above the neck is intellectually stimulating, and below the neck is instinctual and rhythmic, which is, I never really thought of it that way. It kind of makes sense. But she tells you, why do you like the, the music that you like? Why does something stick with you after so many years that maybe it impacted you? What time in your life did you, mm. you know, did you first hear it? And it's, I mean, it's a really... It's a dense book, but not in a, a terrible way. There's a lot of different examples in there. And like she interviewed certain people who talked about what music impacted them and what song and why. And so I, I found so it So how really, do you listen to music? Oh, I'm below the neck. Yeah. <laughs> how about you, Andrew? I don't know. I guess above the neck? I think that's a cool question. It is. I and, I, and I say I'm below the neck because, so I grew up, you know, my father had a polka band. He's, yeah. He still plays. And to me, music was about dancing to the, you know, and finding the beat and the steps and, you know, any polka, you know, music now automatically brings me back to being a little kid and either dancing or singing with my father. And all music does that for me now. Like I want to move and dance yeah. and Yeah. So, cool. so this is what it sounds like, uh, Susan Rogers. You know, I want to remind everybody, because I know we're talking fast, and if you're driving and listening to this, I don't need to tell you that you shouldn't be writing. <laughs> um, and if you're walking or running and listening to this podcast, uh, you don't want to slow yourself down. You're going to use less calories and less aerobic uh, rhythm. So all you'll need to do is visit rjjoya.com slash podcast and all the books we're talking about will be listed. So you can just like enjoy listening to us talk about these books and you don't have to write anything down and you'll just, when you go to this page, not only will it have the title, it'll tell you which one of us mentioned it and it'll tell you what the book's about. So you can just like sit back and enjoy us talking about the books. Andrew. All right, I'm going to talk about a novel, Now Is Not the Time to Panic, uh, by Kevin Wilson. So his previous novel made, made a pretty big splash, nothing to see here, and now we've got the new one. I didn't read that one, I read this one, and I absolutely I love loved it. I the first one. Yeah, almost everyone in our store read it except for me. They all loved it. <laughs> I knew I wanted to read this one, and I'm really, really glad I did. So it's about two teenagers, and they, they meet one summer. The, the boy is new in town. He meets this girl. They're both kind of outcasts, so which kind of maybe draws them to each other. They're both artistic. She is a writer and he is a visual artist. And they decide to make this poster. It's going to have this phrase on it. And then he is going to illustrate it. And they decide they're going to make copies of it and just post it all over town. And it drives the town mad. Right. It just the, the the speculation just goes wild. It go it spreads across the world. This poster kind of takes over. Right. Mm. So it's about it's about friendship. It's about art. I really, really love this book. The phrase that they write on the poster is going to is going to stick with me forever. The edge is a shanty town filled with gold seekers. We are fugitives and the law is skinny with hunger for us. Okay. So that's what they write on this poster. They do this crazy illustration around it, and all of a sudden, devil worshippers, drug dealers, who knows who did this, but it's someone evil, and they have to find out who did mm. it. So you could read this with The Missing Hearts by Celeste Ng. Sure. 
Sure, sure. This I, I I would say that this is still a light novel. I think it's about art, but some serious stuff happens. I just think he's one of the most interesting writers out there. And I do too. Yeah. You know, he's got what I like about him is that there's a kind of element of surprise and energy in the way that he writes that feels unique. You know, because I think a lot of times when you think about how many books we all read, and I particularly get this way with fiction, I'm like, hey, whatever, you know, I've read the story, I don't care. You know, I've said, I probably finished one out of 10 fiction books because I feel like the voice is not unique. I've read the story or who knows, I'm in a bad mood. But Kevin Wilson, I think, has a new voice that is really fabulous. Yeah, so I'm and glad he, you- and he, and he knows how to end a book. You know, I mean, yeah, like there's so yeah. many books out there that start off great and right. just kind of peter out and his endings that's are always, always That's always awesome. Kevin's complaint, my husband, Kevin. It's He's legitimate. like, you know what? You just wrapped this up. You just ruined a great book for me. You got lazy. <laughs> okay, so speaking of serious, you know, we talk about as booksellers, you read for any one of a number of reasons. You read to be distracted. You read to be entertained. One of my motivators to read is about learning to live in another person's shoes and understand an issue in a more comprehensive, complex way. I think it makes us more empathetic. I think it makes us better citizen. I mean, I've got a bunch of reasons without my getting preachy. So these are some books on the list that I think fall into that category. One is a novel by the title of Night Crawling by Layla Motley. I hope I'm pronouncing her first name right, L-E-I-L-A. Layla got interested in a story she had read, a true story, in Oakland, California, about a group of policemen that had basically been using threats to then take advantage of prostitutes and basically sex traffic them for their own their own use. I won't say pleasure, use. And Layla got curious about, well, what was this about? So she started looking into it and then wrote this novel where the narrator is a woman who had been had been threatened by a cop or a bunch of cops and then treated abominably a woman in poverty with not a lot of choice. It is one of the most painful books I read, which doesn't sound like a very Christmassy holiday book, but for the reader in your life that reads the way I do, where they want to know this stuff, what this woman has done is more effectively than I've ever read in a fiction book, made you feel what it's like to live in poverty with your choices limited. And, and what you'll resort to. And even within those horrible circumstances, what you'll do to help each other. So I, I just, I, I cannot get this book out of my head. So I know it's not holiday-y, but worth reading. The other book that I think is important is The Other Side of Prospect by Nicholas Dowadoff. 
Nikki took the, and I had him on the podcast, so you might have heard that interview, but he takes a neighborhood here in New Haven and uses the particular of this neighborhood to make a universal point, which is these cities that were seductive to Blacks migrating from the South in order to get high-paying industrial jobs and enjoyed a period in the 50s and early 60s where they had good-paying jobs, they were able to buy homes, they lived in neighborhoods that were attractive and, and strong communities, and they have deteriorated as the industrial jobs disappeared as the justice system changed a little bit. And Nikki just does a brilliant job by telling the true story of what happened in this neighborhood using three real people to tell the story. So this is happening across our country. New Haven's just one example. And then the third book is The Trayvon Generation by Elizabeth Alexander. Elizabeth Alexander was a poet. She was a professor here in New Haven at Yale that was the head of the African-American studies. She's now the executive director of the Mellon Foundation. And what she talks about in the Trayvon generation is the degree to which art, photography, and culture shapes how people feel about themselves, and most particularly in this case, young Blacks. And she's got examples of artists in the book and what they're doing and how that can really impact how a young person thinks of their own potential and their own ability to make a difference. So was that two? Yeah, that was three. Okay, Lori. All right. So um, my next book is Great Short Books, A Year of Reading Briefly by Ken Davis. Ken Davis um, wrote a series called Don't Know Much About and he was like, don't know much about history, don't know much about Civil War. And there, there's a, I mean, I know we had several of these when my girls were growing up and it was a great way for them to, you know, kind of just look at something and get a, a quick overview, and really figure out what they were talking about. So this actually, I love that you can dabble with this book because I think there's 58 different, and I know you, you know this book too, Andrew, very well. There's 58 books in here that he talks about. And there's, some are contemporary, some are classic. So they're, they're, they span the years. And the, he gives you the opening line. And then he tells you a little bit about the plot of the, of the book, tells you his synopsis of it, and then gives you other books, you know, that he suggests to read. Um, huh. Right. So you can decide, like, so for example, like Little Women, you know, you can read the opening line, you can, you know, read a little bit about it, and then you can decide, well, do I want to read Little Women or do I want to read something like that? And he gives you some other choices. So it, it's the kind of book How that you- fun. Yeah, you can give it to someone who is either a literary fan or someone who maybe hasn't, you know, not sure what to read. I don't know what I should pick up. I haven't read in a while. This is a great gift because they can kind of dabble with it and you don't have to read it straight through. You can, you know, pick a few at a time. You can pick, you know, one at a time. You could read it all the way through if you want. And it just gives a lot of really interesting information with his spin on it. He's a smart guy. So fun, Lore. Yeah. Okay, Andrew. Okay, comic books, Roxanne. Oh, yeah, my favorite. Yes, we're going to talk about The Anatomy of Comics by Damien McDonald. This is, I feel like recently comic books have gotten kind of the scholarship and artistic attention that they deserve. I mm -hmm. think that's the reason is, is the success of, of the Marvel movies, but it has really 
you know, shone a light on the whole history of the genre. This book goes back to the Victorian era, uh, about 125 years ago. It's got examples of everything important that you're going to want to know. It is not a complete history. It is more of an appreciation of the history of comic books. I might want to read it's, that. You should. It's it, Everyone should. It's a $40 paperback, so it's got an incredible amount of information and art without being a super expensive book. And it covers kind of like the major things. Wow, it's you know, cool looking inside. It's, it's great looking. You're going to get superheroes in here, but it's not a book just about Marvel My and DC. My favorite, Betty uh, Boo. Yeah. <laughs> I love These are, you know, I mean, you know, when you say comics these days, most people think superheroes, but it's just this How book. Funny, this that's book, the page I turned to. <laughs> this book really expands that that definition because it's way more than that. So if you know someone who likes comics any kind, honestly, this is a great book because it's not overwhelming and it's really just going to. And hit, it's beautiful. It, it's going to hit the high points. It's a it, it's a great book. All right. Thank you. All right. So guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to talk about happy books. I don't often talk about happy books. Wow. So I'm going to mention three happy or upbeat, interesting books. The first is by Jacques Pepin. Now, Jacques Pepin, who we are blessed to have live in our community and is a renowned chef, the thing about him that I think is most important is he is the most gracious, generous man you could ever meet. You just, he just radiates a kind of light and optimism that is contagious. So on top of being a brilliant chef, he's also kind of annoyingly a great artist. And his art is now available, but he realized that a lot of what he drew were chickens, like chickens in different colors, funny chickens, happy chickens, lying down chickens, standing up chickens. So this book is called Art of the Chicken, and it is three things at once. It's sort of an art book because he's got all these paintings of his chickens. It's a bit of a memoir because he writes about his life, which is fascinating in its own right. And then it's not a cookbook in the classic sense, like you don't turn to page 152 for chicken soup, but it's sort of embedded into the memoir so that when he's talking about his mom and his mom's restaurant, he talks about how she made chicken or he talks about what one of his aunts would have done for a Sunday dinner. So I don't know who wouldn't want want this book. It's just like, I mean, really, it's just the best book. And then the other book, which is happy-ish and observant, is an absolutely beautiful book called Women Holding Things by Mara Kalman, who's a very well-known graphic designer. And so what she has some writing in it, and it's about what we as women end up holding, carrying, caring for and the illustrations are beautiful. The writing is very exquisite. And what I'm doing with this book is I'm sending it to the women in my life that I care deeply about who, this is a book that sort of acknowledges what women do, that they don't necessarily talk about and don't even necessarily complain about, but the reality of what their lives are like. So 
those are my two sort of happy books, <laughs> Lore. <laughs> well, I'm going to talk about a cookbook. So Half-Bake Harvest Every Day by Tegan Gerard. Uh, I love cookbooks and I love to cook. I'm Italian. And so I, I try all kinds of things, although, you know, Italian is basically what I always go back to. You know, one of our buyers here, Kelly, was really excited about this book. And so she's like, you have to look at it. I bought it immediately. Every single page is gorgeous. You know, the recipes are easy and accessible and the pictures are just, you know, you know what it's supposed to look like, which I always it's really like that. It's very helpful. Yeah. I'm like, because I know what to do with the Italian stuff, but everything else, I want to know what it's supposed to look like. So I, cu I couldn't, you know, resist getting it. I'm like, I have to add it to my collection. Well, I have to say over the weekend, you know, we, my brother is coming in this this coming weekend. And so I was testing out a few things to, to cook, you know, because my brother's a really good cook. And I'm like, I need to dazzle him a little bit. So I went to this and we we started out by trying the popovers, the whole wheat popovers. I love popover. and Whole wheat so whole I can wheat. eat them? Yes, you can eat them. And we made the homemade maple apple butter, which is a very fancy applesauce. <laughs> But I don't um, remember you bringing any into the store for us to well, eat. Well, because I it made so many, so we made just a portion that would feed just us over the last weekend. <laughs> just to, but this weekend I'll be making them. I expect to for, see one. Well, okay. Well, as long as my nephews don't get a hold of them. <laughs> but and I know that um, Jamie also loves to cook, and her tahini shortbread cookies in here are her favorite thing in this in this recipe book. So the staff loves this book. They've made a lot of things from this cookbook. And so I, I mean, anyone who likes to cook in your life or anyone who wants to start cooking, like I said, the recipes are really accessible. You know, they're like five ingredients. Like, could I or, do it? Yeah. 15 minutes prep time, 15 minutes bake time for some of them. So All right, very, I'm going to buy that easy. book. Yeah, you'll, you'll really like it. All right, Andrew. Okay, I'm going to talk about Marple, 12 New Mysteries. So this is a collection of new Miss Marple mysteries. Agatha Christie's uh, arguably her most famous detective. They've got an all-star cast of authors to help write this book. Naomi Alderman, Lee Bardugo, Lucy Foley, Ruth Ware, real heavy hitters in the, in the mystery genre. I absolutely love this book. There have been plenty of kind of rehashes of Sherlock Holmes and Jane Marple and all the kind of the classic detectives. But this one really, really, really shines above the rest. They got top-notch authors that didn't mess with the character at all. You know, you've got the same Jane Marple kind of in, in every single story, but they're able to really take some liberties with location and maybe even a little bit of time period, you know, like Miss Marple goes to New York City in this book, right? You know, so she's she's going all over the world doing kind of newer things, new types of mysteries because these authors are trying to bring themselves to this. So if you like classic mysteries, especially short stories, Agatha Christie, definitely get this. All right. Do you know what I realized? I don't think I've ever read an Agatha Christie book. Is that? I, I probably shouldn't even admit hey, that. It, you know, that's all right. There's plenty of you know, <laughs> there's time. Plenty of time left. Not a lot, but there's <laughs> some time left. We, we we have plenty downstairs. Okay. All right. Good. <laughs> we know where you can get one. One happy book that I left off that you must get. Everybody must have this book in their house. It's called Musical Tables by Billy Collins. So I interviewed Billy Collins last night for the podcast, and it'll air later. But I have to say, I just love everything that this man writes. There's sort of, there's a 
a wit about him that cannot fail to make you smile. In musical tables, he's now invented what he refers to as the small poem, which is like tiny. Sometimes it's four words. Sometimes it's 10 or 15. And I could could read you some, but we're going to run out of time. Just know that this is a book that if everybody had it in their house and they picked it up once a day, they couldn't have a bad day. So I just want to make sure I mention that. And the other, I think I would put this into the category of happy book, is These Precious Days by Ann Patchett. The signature story in this book, it's a collection of essays. Ann Patchett has the ability to say what we might all say about everyday life in the most brilliant way that actually exemplifies what makes life worth living, you know, a kind of connection and a kind of understanding. And Ann Patchett has just done it again. These Precious Days, it's just a wonderful collection of essays that you'll just be happy reading. Laura. So so I find Billy Collins and Mary Oliver accessible poets to me. You know that I like to rhyme. You, you, yeah. you guys all know that. But poetry in itself is actually, I struggle with it. And so I saw this book when it first came because we chose it as one of our holiday selections. And I loved that it's called American Wildflowers, a literary field guide. And I was really excited. My grandfather was a florist and I picked it up. And the, the watercolor pictures in this book are absolutely beautiful, but Open the book. I do love that there's also essays and poems and little short stories throughout this from different um, contributors. And so I, I decided I needed to, you know, really jump into this and give it a try because it combines a couple of things. One thing that I really want to get better at is understanding other poetry other than my own silly fun rhymes. And then just seeing, you know, learning about different wildflowers and seeing these beautiful, beautiful, beautiful watercolors in here. It is a, a, this, it sounds like it's a picture book, but it really isn't. It's a, it's a big, thick book that you're going to get a lot of information from and enjoy. And again, it's one of those things. It's a beautiful book. It is really a beautiful book. You know, again, it's one of those things that you don't have to sit and read all the way through. You can pick it up and put it down, leave it on the coffee table, have discussions with people about some of the things in it. But American Wildflowers, a literary field guide, Susan Barba. Andrew. All right. So I'm going to talk about one more comic book, Roxanne. This is called Shuna's Journey. It's by uh, Hayao Miyazaki. And mainstream America is finally catching up to this great artist um, around the world and in select, you know, among select people. He's been one of the most popular filmmakers of the past 40 years. Most famous maybe for Howl's Moving Castle, Spirited Away and some others, but this is a graphic novel that he wrote back in 1983, all right? So it has been available in Asia since then, but this is the first American translation, and this is the first time it is available in this country. Did I like Um, this? Yeah, absolutely. I wouldn't call it manga, 
he worked towards that a little bit later in his career, but uh, it definitely has some elements. Yeah, um, you could see, you could see like the precursor of some mm -hmm. manga. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you want someone that 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 wants a graphic novel, this is what everyone's looking for this year. People have been waiting for a, a long time for this to come out. He's really kind of coming into the public consciousness among you know kind of uh, general readers instead of just uh, art and comic book fans. Um, I'm really excited to have this here. This year. Okay. All right. A couple of more books. One is, it's the 10th anniversary of a book called Tiny Beautiful Things by Cheryl Strayed. And a lot of people know Cheryl from her book, Wild. But Cheryl had a advice column under the name of Dear Sugar. And this book, Tiny Beautiful Things, is a collection of letters that she got and her answers. I can't even begin to tell you the incredible wisdom that she brings to answering these questions. Like there, the price of admission of this book is answered by a letter that she writes back to someone who really wants to understand what love is. And she describes it in a way that you think, wow, how'd you think about that language and putting those words and sentences together to explain this so perfectly? And she does that across the board. So it's it's got, I think it's got some additional stuff that was added, but if you didn't read it 10 years ago or eight years ago or five years ago, or it's time to read it again because you can't find it, it's a wonderful gift. And, mm -hmm. and it's the kind of gift to give somebody who... You don't know what to get them, but you want to cheer them up. So tiny, beautiful things. Now, I don't know why I'm juxtaposing these two books, but I'm going to. The other book is a nonfiction book called The Sewing Girl's Tale by John Wood Sweet. So this is nonfiction, and everybody in the store has been encouraging me not to talk about it at the <laughs> holiday time because it opens with a rape, and that's not the way you want to start your holidays. But what... John does in this book is it's set in revolutionary New York. So this book combines a series of things that, and he's a very, he's a wonderful storyteller. So it's a story about what New York geographically was like in those days. Like I loved like thinking about, oh, that farm was on like 16th street and, you know, and it was acres and acres and, and there was, you know, a river on this street, Canal Street's a Canal Street for a reason. So it's a geographic history. It's history about the Revolutionary War. It's history about what's going on in New York from a political and cultural standpoint, how business got done, how the law was done, like the mayor met with people who had cases against others. And then it's the story of these two people, a powerless, invisible type young seamstress and a rich man who figures he can get away with anything. But no, she sues him. And to think that a powerless girl, she was 17, sued a man in this situation is fascinating to understand what's changed, what hasn't changed. But the fact that it opens with a horrible event becomes incidental to the power of the whole book. So I'll end, I'll end on that. 
lore. All right, I'm going to do two more. So they're both fantasy. One is um, Darling Girl by Liz Mikalski. It is a novel of Peter Pan, not the Disney Peter Pan that people love and adore, and he's this whimsical character. Peter Pan has grown up, and he does not like it, and he's trying to you know, not grow up anymore. And this is about Holly Darling, who is the granddaughter of Wendy Darling. It really, it feels real, even though it's it's fantasy, because, I mean, obviously Peter Pan is not a real a real person. But, it, you know, the storyline is actually something that you, you could kind of get into and picture happening until you realize that, well, no, this is, that you were getting into Peter Pan. And she brings in some of the other characters. Like, you, you do get, like, someone who you're like, okay, well, I figure that's Captain Hook. And so you get a lot of these other characters in there. But it's a totally different different story. There is a little bit of violence in this, so I do like to give a little trigger warning. But I, this book, I've given it to, you know, multiple people. They've all loved it. You know, old, young. It's you know, the retelling of a, a Peter Pan story is a lot of fun. And the last one I want to talk about is called The Storyteller's Handbook. So when Jamie, our kids buyer, first showed me this book months ago, I did what we 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 have a hard time not doing here. I judged the book immediately by its cover and fell in love with it. And then I opened the pages and just fell even in more love with it than I could possibly even imagine. There are very little words throughout this book, so it's not really a story. It's something that you you are going to tell. So it's a great, it's technically a kid's can book, but it's a, it so it's a family it? book. So oh. there are a lot of, um, there's picture, gorgeous illustrations in here. And you really can judge what's going to happen. And you can retell a story. You can make the story different over and over, all the way through. There's all, there's animals, there's people. There's, so cool. It's a really amazing book. I it's mean, beautiful, it's too. It's so beautiful. And you, you let your imagination go wild, you know, to have your family do it together. You sit with your child or just give it to, to some kids. But it's a beautiful book. The Storyteller's Handbook, I... I, yeah, I can't get enough of this book. Fabulous. Andrew. Lastly, I'm going to talk about Rolling Stone, the 500 greatest albums of all time. So they first came out with this list back in 2003. I remember when that happened. It's been inviting debate and praise ever since then. But if anybody is going to make this list, it's absolutely Rolling Stone. Um, they have all the access to all the photography, all the articles that they've written over the years. This is a great pop music history. It's, you know, it, it, it's the coffee table book that everyone is going to be picking up this Christmas. Okay. So the last two books I'll talk about are both by the same author. Her name is Claire Keegan. She's an Irish writer. And I am a William Trevor devotee. The idea of using spare language to tell seemingly simple stories that become powerful in the aggregate is to me, the most perfect kind of fiction writing. It's just unadorned. And Claire Keegan is a master at this. Last year, I talked about a book called Small Things Like These, which I would reiterate if you didn't buy it last year, make sure you do it this year. And she has a new book out called Foster. And they're, they're just, I don't know how else to say it, but they're perfect fiction. They're tiny little books. Foster is almost a novella. They're both like small trim sizes, but they are powerful about what it means to be brave and what it means to be human. So that's all the books. So I don't know about 
the two of you, but now you've talked about books that I want to get and you would think I would, I, you know, I do know about these books, but now you talked about them in a way that I really want them. So good job. Now I have to buy more books. <laughs> um, and as I mentioned earlier, uh, this has been our, you know, once a year holiday gift ideas of books. We've been talking with Lori Fazio, who's the president of RJ Julia's, and Andrew Brennan, who is our head buyer. And hopefully you've enjoyed this and you can go to rjjulia.com slash podcast. Uh, and we'll have all the books that we talked about. But in the meantime, in closing, I obviously want to wish all of you happy reading. And hopefully we came up with enough to provide happy reading for you and everybody on your list. And I want to wish all of our listeners the happiest of holidays and hope that you all have the opportunity to experience some time of well-being with family or friends or uh, being with others. So thanks very much. Just the Right Book is not just a podcast. JustTheRightBook.com is a highly personalized book subscription service. It's good for readers of all ages. We have decades and decades of bookselling experience at RJ Julia's, and they're the ones who are selecting these books. Here's what happens. We get tons and tons of letters. We've been around for over 10 years, and the letters always are a version of this. I can't believe you picked out this book. I would have never picked it out. And guess what? It was just the right book. So visit justtherightbook.com for details and begin your subscription today. Of course, we have a promo code for you. So if you go to justtherightbook.com, use the promo code podcast, and you will get 15% off on your subscription at justtherightbook.com. You are listening to Just the Right Book with Roxanne Cody, brought to you by Lit Hub Radio. The show is produced by Roxanne Cody, Michael Selleck, and Lit Hub Radio. Our editor is Gino Cardone at Pleasant Podcast. The original theme music is by Kurt Feldman. You can subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. I am Roxanne Cody. Thank you so much for listening. And if you have any comments, observations, suggestions, we'd love to hear from you. You can email me at justtherightbook at rjjulia.com.